got a text between services. A friend of mine, pastors in Kansas, and he said, God answered a prayer we've been praying for for many years. And their oldest daughter, she's probably about 24, 25, or she, she's a little older than that, 26, something like that. She's got two children. They've been praying for her for a long time. She got saved today. And he said, and a mom and two sons got saved today. So I asked him, I said, I mean, I rejoiced with him. I said, were you having a special meeting or just a special meeting with the Lord? And he said, the Lord just came by and uh, saved four sinners in Kansas today. And, well, I just rejoice in the goodness of the Lord and His mercy and His grace. And let me say this, don't stop praying for your loved ones. Don't stop praying for your friends, your family. Don't stop praying for your enemies. Well, it's easy to pray for people we love to get saved. And sometimes we might want to pray for our enemies out of selfishness. Somebody that your co-worker, your neighbor who's awful to you, you might pray for them to get saved because deep down it, because it would benefit you. Well, what about it? We pray for them because the Lord loves them, wants to save them, and keep them out of hell. Pray for them as well. But God is overwhelming His goodness, and I bless His holy name. I'm going to be brief, so uh, I will preach uh, quickly if you'll listen quickly. Amen. Philippians chapter three. Go back to Philippians chapter number three. I just want a, a simple thought this morning. It was, it was described in the book of Acts that the early Christians, it was said of them that they turned the world upside down. But I'll say this, the day that God saved me, I didn't know it, but He turned my world upside down. And they meant it in a negative term when they said that those Christians had turned the world upside down. But I'll say this, when God saved me, He turned my world right side up. You know... The way that, that the world is, is the world's upside down. This world's upside down. It's all a mess. When God saves you and He, he, he makes you a new creature and, and, and the whole world changes, your whole world changes when you know the Lord and you know the Word of God and you walk with Him. And I'm thankful for that. I want you to see quickly uh, Philippians chapter 3. We'll go ahead and read through these verses, but... Uh, we're not going to pre- have time to preach through all of this, but uh, verse chapter chapter three, verse number one. Let's pray, Lord. One more time, I ask you, God, to give me unction, power, help me, help me in preaching the word. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you, God, for your goodness, Lord. You, your love, your grace, your goodness is overwhelming, Lord, and we just give you glory and praise. Thank you for saving these four sinners. Thank you, God, for. Uh, God, for Brother Day's daughter getting saved, God, we give you praise and glory for that, and we ask you to work in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. By the way, we ought to rejoice in the Lord. Amen. That ought to be a that ought not to be a, an unusual thing in the life of His children is to rejoice in Him. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Uh, 
For we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, the concision, speaking of, uh, of those Jews, uh, but uh, we are of the circumcision, which is, of course, of the heart, a spiritual circumcision. The Jews, those natural uh, uh, Jews, if you will, uh, had uh, the physical circumcision. Uh, but, but when they got saved, they also received the spiritual circumcision, as we who Gentiles receive that of the heart. Amen? Which worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. He begins to give us a list here of all the things that he could take confidence in. Uh, he says here, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I want us to see this, this afternoon... Uh, what God does in our lives and what He did in Paul's life. Uh, uh, if we're going to grow in Christ, if we're going to continue forward in our life with the Lord Jesus in fellowship, in growth, in maturity, if we're going to uh, know the Lord as Paul spoke of, and we're not talking about salvation, and, and uh, I, I've been just quickly, uh, um, more, this is more of a seed thought than it is I've thought this part out, but lately I've been thinking about what Paul, when Paul said that I may know Him, and uh, thinking about when we get saved, the Bible's pretty clear that when we get saved, He knows us. Uh, there'll come a day, those that'll stand before Him and try to uh, uh, bring their own justification of why they're saved, what will, it, what will He say to those who are lost but did works in His name? 
Depart from me, I never knew you. Okay? And, uh, and so he, he does. When we get saved, he knows us. But what Paul, who had been serving the Lord, Paul, who had been through much uh, in the ministry for the cause of Christ, uh, who had suffered much, I want you to quickly look over. We're not going to read through all of this, but I want you to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to come back here to Philippians 3. For time's sake, we'll jump down to verse number 23, 2 Corinthians 11, and verse number 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In other words, when I received stripes, they gave it to me even above measure. It was, it was great. If somebody had said, Paul, how hard did they whip you? How hard did they stripe you? His answer would say, I don't know, I just know it was above measure. It goes on to say here, he says, in prisons, more frequent. He was either in prison, coming out of prison, or in possibility of going to prison, it seemed like, throughout his ministry. He says, in deaths, off. There are some that even wonder if, if he didn't if he didn't die when they did stone him. Uh, they thought he was dead for sure. That much where we could say without debate. They left him. They 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 thought that they had killed Paul and stoned Paul. But I know this. He said in deaths oft, his life was surrounded by death. Uh, whether it was co-labors or whether. It could be him, or whether, uh, or or even prior to his salvation, him being on the other end of that. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. History has said that uh, according to uh, uh, according to the, to the Roman law, according to the law, uh, uh, that they would uh, they would give them thirty nine stripes because. And my guess is experience told them most people, this is my opinion, uh, most people probably died more, died at 40 stripes. So they said, well, that's probably too much. We're going to give them a chance to live. So we're going to give them 39 stripes. Five different times. Can you imagine what his back looked like after it would heal each time? Uh, I mean, after the second, the third, the fourth, it probably looked like a road map back there of scars that, that, that Paul had uh, across his back. And then he goes on to say, Thrice was I beaten with rods. I, I think about him beaten with rods. I think about those stripes opening up wounds. But, uh, but beaten with rods, he probably felt like he was being beaten to death. I mean, the bruising that would have taken place from being beat with rods, uh, it says three, three times, thrice, three times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. He said only once compared to the others. Yeah, they, were, they weren't stoning him to injure him. They were stoning him again to kill him. Then it says, Thrice I suffered shipwreck. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'd been on one shipwreck, I'd probably say, I don't know, I want to get, I think I'll become a landlubber. I will think I'll stay, but, but for the sake of the gospel and the work, listen, Paul died daily. Paul, hey, if I die today, 
It's in His hands. Uh, uh, it's appointed unto men once to die. Paul understood God was in control of his life. God was in control of his death. we got too many people afraid of dying. Now, I'm not looking to go play in traffic. I'm not looking to go dangle off a cliff anywhere. But I tell you this, when it's time for me to go, I'll go. Now, that doesn't mean I want to be foolish, right? You know, if you if you live on a, on a diet of... Fried chicken three times a day, you're probably, uh, you're probably not helping your situation. But if we are, are walking with the Lord and living according to the Scripture, living... Listen, we understand that God's got a perfect time, but let's read on. Uh, Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and day have I, have I been in the deep. I don't know about you, but I, I think this. Brother Greg, if... If you had gone through probably one of these events, they'd say, would you come in to our church and give your testimony of what it was like when they beat you, they striped you with those 39 stripes? If you had, in the work of the gospel, survived one shipwreck, They'd say, you need to write a book about that. What, what God taught you. What God's ministering to you in that time of shipwreck. What God did that came out of it. What, how people got saved as a result. How it increased your faith, faith in the Lord. You need to write a book about that. This all happened to one man. And he's giving up. And by the way, he could take one of these and write one of these events and write several chapters out of it. If the Lord had led him to uh, led him in doing so, and yet he is rattling these things off in, 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 without great detail, without great drama, without great fanfare, he's just saying, "Here's some things that I went through in the work of God." I'm not going to read all through all of these of what he went through here, but I'll say this. If we're going to grow, if we're going to move forward, because ultimately we're going to see in this chapter that Paul wanted to press toward the mark. Paul wanted to know Christ. Paul wanted to to carry on. If we're going to grow in our Christian life, if we're going to know Christ, if we're going to win Christ, in other words, gain in my fellowship, gain in my faith, gain in my fruit, gain in my effectiveness for, for His glory, there's going to be some things that are going to have to take place in our lives. And when we look at what Paul teaches us here, we're going to have to put away first our past successes. Now, that's not the first thing that comes to our minds typically in a, as a servant of the Lord. We tend to glory in, in the past successes, right? We tend to want to hold on to those and, if, and many times, uh, some men, some women for God, are still living off what they did for God 20 years ago. And Paul could have done that. Paul said, I have no confidence in the flesh. And Paul said, putting those things which are behind. We're going to have to put away successes. He says, but what things were gained to me in verse 7? Now, you say, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He went through all of that. And let me ask you a question in your own hearts. 
Were those things that he endured, were they gain or were they loss? In other words, if you were to go through those beatings and those shipwrecks, hungerings and thirstings and nakedness and all the things that Paul went to, some some people would say, that's terrible. What a loss. Right? And others would look at that and say, glory to God, what gain? You know what determines how you look at that? Is what you value. It, 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 it's dependent upon what's, what's important, what's precious to you. But here's ultimately what Paul said. Those things in, in chapter number 3 of Philippians, these things that, that anybody could look at, and I believe Paul at one time looked at these things and saw them as gain, uh, uh, being circumcised of the eighth day, being of the stock of Israel. Being, I mean, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He, was, he had everything that a Hebrew, as a, as a Pharisee, as a religious man who was striving to climb up that religious zealous ladder, could have, Paul had it. And there came to a point and said, listen, all the things that were gained to me, you say, well, that's before he got saved. Before and after he got saved, everything in contrast. He talked about in Sunday school, the contrast of hating mother, father, contrast of love for God being so great that others, and by the way, when you have a, such a, a great love for Christ, those that also don't have that same type of love for Christ will view your love for Christ as hate for them. Did you get that? Family members and friends, when you well, won't you come to the lake with us? I'm going to church. Well, you love that church more than you love me. What they really mean is you hate me. Right? And when we grow in our love for Christ... For us to move forward, we cannot live off of past success. Oh, thank God for the past gains. Thank God. We don't want to leave those things behind, but we need those stones of remembrance, if you will, to remind us of what God's done in our lives. We're not forgetting those things, but we're not living off of them either. In other words, well, I went to the altar last week. I went, I've been going to the altar. I'm so much, I don't think I need to go this time. Well, I read my Bible yesterday. I don't need to read my... I mean, you don't have to read your... There's a lot of things. You don't have to eat food today. That's a choice. But we cannot live off of the past... We can't live off our past faith. Well, I had faith in the Lord. I've... Uh, you know, I've sacrificed for the Lord. I've given to the Lord. And we can get to a place where I don't need to go that far. If that's the case, Paul would have said, I don't need to press toward the mark. I don't need to win Christ. I don't need to know. I've got, I've got Him. Here's a man who endured all those things of Second Corinthians chapter number 11 saying that I may know it. Can I say it this way? Here's a man.
live in our past successes. We can't live in our past service. We can't live in our past sacrifices. We can't live in our past sufferings. Sometimes, as children of God, by the way, if you follow the Lord and you live, you're going to end up suffering. There's different types of suffering. Some are physical sufferings. Some are sufferings of the heart. Sometimes people are going to hurt you. When you follow Christ, you're going to get hurt. You're, you're taking up your cross and following Him. I, I wonder what some people think it means to be a Christian. Does that mean, well, I'm a child of God and God blesses my life and I get to enjoy Him? No, to be a follower of Christ means take up your cross and follow Me. It means the fellowship of His sufferings. But we can't live in our past sufferings. We can't live in the past, period. We're going to have to put away past sorrow. You think about this in that a statement that he made. I, 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 I think about this. I wonder when they got to uh, chapter number 3, and this is being penned, the Holy Spirit leading him, and he got to a place. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just... Humans were involved here too. God used Paul. Verse number 6, when he got to that place. I don't think Paul just...
in your past sorrows. God doesn't want you to. Well, but, but, but I'm afraid I'll do them again if I don't live in those. That's not expected. That's bondage. God does not want His children living in bondage. God doesn't want the saints, God doesn't want the church to live in bondage. He delivered us from bondage and it's not spiritual, it's not holy to live in your... That's exactly what Satan wants you to do is to live God could have saved forget God could have saved us and forgiven us and held our sin over our heads. But God, who is limitless in power, chose to forget all of our sins and to bury them. The Bible says to be remembered no Buried. We cannot live in our past sorrows. That's not holy. That's not spiritual. Oh, it's a walk in His love. And don't hey, it's good to look in the rearview mirror. God, thank you. You know what I did this today a little bit this morning? Look in the rearview mirror and say, "Thank you, God, for what you saved me out of." Thank you that you that you came and saved a. a, a a sinner, a bastard who had no father and became my father. But I can't, you don't live in the rearview mirror. You know what happens if you stare in the rearview mirror while you drive down the road too, too long? You're going you're gonna to crash. You've got to put away. You've got to put away your past. You've got to put away your past sin. You've got to put away your regrets. You're going to grow with Christ. You're going to have to go deeper. You see, that excellence that we spoke of, that, that, that knowing Christ, that winning Christ in chapter 3, that pressing towards the mark in chapter 3, that's not being satisfied or settling for a, a, a powerless Christian life or settling for a mundane Christian life, uh, uh, a prayerless, weak, anemic Christian life. No, that's that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Hey, it's a, you've got power in Christ Jesus. His power is at the access of His children. The fellowship is always there. As much as you want it, it's there. But there may be some sufferings involved. There may be some, some things that come into your life as a, as a result of putting Christ first in your life. Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to hurt? To follow Him? We find that he goes on to say, listen, all those things, the loss, the gains, all of it, I suffered the loss of all things, good, bad, ugly, things that my pride would love the glory in, loss, dung, the things that I maybe glory in my past sufferings for Christ, 
done. My gains, everything in my life that, that, that I could hang on to. Uh, listen, I could glory in the fact that God saved me and I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I can glory in that. And He could do the same thing because He did grow up in a Christian home and under a pastor for a dad. We can, glo- we can find anything to glory in. It's amazing how we like to, by nature, skim a little glory off the top. It all belongs to Him. But we're going to have to press forward. Look at verse 13. I count not myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't grasped, I haven't gained it all. I've, I know what, I've not arrived. If Paul, listen, I, John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to, to, to latch at his shoes. If Paul were standing here, I wouldn't be worthy to latch at Paul's shoes. But Paul said, I've not yet apprehended. I've not arrived. I haven't figured it out. I don't have it all. I don't know it all. I want Him. If He could say that, how much more do you and I need to want Him? A man who had suffered the things that Paul had suffered, the things that he had given up to know and to to gain and to to win Christ, to know Christ, for him to go through all those things and say that I may know Him? Oh, friend, then you and I have to get on our faces and say, God, forgive me of my pride to think that I'm as close to You as I need to be, that i followed You as close to as I need to follow You. God, forgive me of my shallowness and my slothfulness and my arrogance. God, I need You. But here's the thing that's beautiful. He wants us. He wants you. We're not seeking after someone who's running from us. We're seeking one that's running to us. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And He sits on the throne that when that veil was rent in two, gave us access, that now we can boldly come into the throne of grace. We're welcome and wanted. We don't wait in line. We're not rejected. We don't have to go through uh, security uh, of the angels. We don't have... Listen, we, by the blood of Jesus Christ, we now have access to enter in at any moment. And we can, you can be as close to God as you want to be. And He wants us to be. Let's stand Father, as we close in prayer this afternoon, I pray that you would help us to take to heart the messages that we've heard throughout this day, engrave them upon our hearts, and may we reflect upon them, meditate upon them. And Lord, may we learn to yield ourselves wholly and completely to you.